Listener Production. You are listening to episode 18 of the Howie Games Artist Series, Part B, featuring Fitzy, Ryan Fitzgerald. Keep rolling the audio, please. Tommy. So you walk out of the club. How old are you? I was 20. God, what was I at the time? 24, 24. You played a handful of games. Not only is your career finished, your body is bashed. How many operations you had at this stage? I'd had two knee reconstructions and two shoulder reconstructions and my groins. So I had, I had about six or seven operations, fingers and all that in, in that matter of four years. So you walk out with no job, no prospect and an injured body. Like, so you walk out, mate, you get in your car. Well, Howie, this was the other thing as well. Unfortunately, I got mixed up in the punting group at the Swans as well. So I walked oh, away from footy with not much money. I bought a house in Adelaide for $200,000 at Glenelg North. What would you have been getting paid to play footy? I was My last contract, I was on $110,000. No, actually, sorry. My third year at the Swans, I was on $110,000 a year. And then I went to the Crows yeah. and John Reid said, we don't have any money. I was on sixty-five grand a year. Okay, about one hundred and ten plus match payments. Yeah, plus ma- plus match payments. So that, that's that's a so good that's, amount of money. That sort of got me through. And the, don't get me wrong, the club was brilliant yeah, in yeah. helping me out. And they said, you know, like rehab or anything that you need, we're we're always here for you. Tell me about the punt. So I just got, you, you know, there's a lot of downtime in between training and stuff, and I just got into that social scene of going to the TAB or to the pub. And having a counter mill with the boys and having a punt. And then at the end of my footy career, I mean, I was only in the system for four years, but at the end of it, I've come out, I've got a mortgage on this house and dad's like, well, how are you looking? And I said, not very good. How, much, said, are you, how much are you punting? Like a $10 bet or a $100 bet? I reckon I was up to about 50 or to $100 bets. And what do you reckon you lost? I reckon. If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no. This is understandable because this is really important because a lot of these players go through it. They do. That's why I'm asking the question. I reckon I would have punted, I reckon, about a hundred dollars to $150,000 away in that four years. And it was horrific. And that was the wow. moment right then when I said, no more, no more. And I, the, the thing for me, it wasn't the punting. It was for me, I was such a social butterfly. Yeah. I loved being a part of it, being with the senior guys and being able to punt and hang around them. It was more of a social thing, even with my mates back home. Yeah. So I said to myself, I've got to get away from that environment because if I'm at a pub having a beer and having a great time with the boys, I'll punt all day. Yeah. And you never win if you punt all day. No. So I said, I've got to get away from that environment. So, what, you just went cold turkey on the punt? Was yeah. it hard? Well I, well, I couldn't pay my – they got to a point where I be, went back to South Adelaide and I was playing there. They got me a job and I wasn't enjoying it. But what I was the job? Pay, I was a, a salesman for a printing company and I was hopeless. I used to sit in my car for hours going, I don't know what I'm doing here. Okay, so I, I opened the door. G'day, Ryan. Um, what, like, what's your spiel? Do you need any, you need any flyers? You've got a great business here. I can get you some flyers printed off. They get handed out into letterboxes. Right. We'll do it for you for cheap. Come to us first okay. and use us, get it really cheap, and then the next time. And, and what's the quality like, Ryan? Yeah, really good. Is it? Yeah. And the price uh, points? Oh yeah, no, well, I, I can go, Gary, um, he's our he's our CEO. He'll give you a good point. Uh, you know what? You tell him that I sent you and he'll really look after you. <laughs> I said, tell him it's and then, and then, no, his name was Graham, sorry. And then Graham would say, and they'd, they'd go, no, nah, you know what, mate, we're all right. And then and then all of a sudden, like I, he, I'd get Graham would go, you've got to ring them back. 
a week later, you've got to ring them back. And I remember sitting on the phone, Howie, going, I just, I've got to ring this person back again. And they've <laughs> told me no thing. five times. <laughs> it's the, the, being in the sales industry is the worst job ever. <laughs> it, you know what? Because I thought I was, you know, I, I was personable. I could, yeah. I could talk to anyone. Yeah. But then when you're actually begging people to use you, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very dark place. So, so you, you got a job you don't like. You, 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 how's the mortgage going? Yeah, that was the hard thing. Couldn't pay my mortgage repayments. Ouch. Then I, I, I hated the job as sales, so I left there. I'm pouring beers down at the South Adelaide Footy Club. I remember there was a woman, a pregnant woman, and I knew she was pregnant. She's asking for shots. Oh. And I said... I'm not going to serve you, love. And I remember the manager at the time was like, you've got, if they want a drink, you've got to give it to them. And I thought, I, I'm in real trouble here. I'm in real, real trouble. That, that was your lightning bolt moment, was But it? you know, I was, I was trying to, I'd done my knee again, so I'm getting back to play for South Adelaide. And Robert Pyman was coaching down there, and um, my mates just said to me, you know, because, you know, we, my mates and I, we'd go to a, part, a house party or something like that and we'd always wanted to be the centre of attention and everyone always said, you'd be great in the media. They said, well, why don't you just try, why don't you just put in an audition tape for that Big Brother show? Because it's a massive show. It was only the, it was the three season had already gone and the numbers were huge on it. It's and out I, of 10, it was massive. It was massive at that time. Early, early noughties, it was huge. I talked to Chrissy Swan about this all the time and it just... It blows our mind how big it was. So, and shows will never get that big in Australia now because of the streaming and the all the different options. That too many, there. too many reality shows. Yeah. So, okay. So, so like, what? Do you knock together a VHS or a DVD? It was, or it was what a do you do? VHS. I want to. Have you still got it? Uh, no. I actually, actually, it's some. No, is that on your phone next no, to your five guys? Alex Mavrodikis, who is the, he used to be the EP there. I asked him for it. He said we couldn't find it. He said we've actually got a, a video tape of you. We've got a package, highlights package of you on, on night one that you went into Big Brother okay. and where you've come from. What, so tell, what did you put in your VHS? Basically, it was just, it was jokes like, you know, this is me and it was me jumping off the jetty. It was where I grew up. These are my mates. These are my parents. And it was mum and dad standing there. It was like a hostage video. <laughs> and it was mum and dad going, he is a really lovely kid. <laughs> And then the camera pans around and I'm holding up cue cards <laughs> for what they had to say. But you know what I did, Howie? I just said, I just said, you know what, I'm gonna go down the road of I've I've been a loser in everything that I've done in life. When it's come to football, I failed. When it comes to love, I've failed. I've never really had a proper girlfriend. Everything I do just seems to fail. And they said to me afterwards, that's what got us over the line. So Is you that- said that in the tape? Yes. I said, and we were part, my mates and I were part of this MLS, the massive loser squad. I said, everything that I do in life, it just seems to fail. And they just went, well, that's perfect. He's failed at AFL. He's failed at love. Let's get him in the house. Uh, Let's try to find him love. And did, did, so do you get a phone call? How do you find out? Yeah. got a, So I knew I, I, I went through a few auditions and then they said, we will give you a call over the next month or so if you're in. Right. And didn't get a call for ages. And I remember it was after footy training one night and I was coming home from footy training and my phone went off and it was, mate, you're going, you're going up to the Gold Coast. 
you got to grab a friend with you because you, you've got to be in lockdown for a week before you go in. You don't watch television. You don't watch the news. Why is that? Because they don't want to, because they promote the show, but they don't want you to see what's oh, okay. going to be on the show. Okay, okay. So you're in a hotel room. They bring you food. You have a security guard. So you got an early version of the COVID system. Yes, oh, we did. Security and just you and a mate. Yep. And it was my best mate, Sam's. And, and you're just hitting room service like nothing the, else? The whole time. And I'm just looking out at the Gold Coast going, oh my God, my life's about to change. And then you go into the house. So you wander in for the first time. Like, what's it like? Like, do you, how long till you forget the cameras are there? So about two days. Two days. You, you're so conscious of it first up and you can hear and you can hear them shuffling around in the background. And then after two days, God, and mum said to me, geez, you play with your balls quite a bit. <laughs> uh, mum said to me after <laughs> It was really like <laughs> mum's going, I'm going to the salon and all the women in there going, gee, your son's plays with his balls a bit, doesn't he? <laughs> we're, we're 185 episodes in. That could be my favourite story. <laughs> but you do a know. You know, scratcher. you know when you're having a conversation with someone and you don't even know you're doing it but you're readjusting yourself. Well, I don't think I am but apparently you were. So your mum goes down to get her purple rings and the girls are saying, yeah, our son needs to leave it alone. Everyone's talking about it. My salon, they had my they had a poster up in the, um, Beck had uh, a poster up in Sublime Edge at Glenelg saying fit he gets his hair cut here <laughs> and people were coming in <laughs> and getting You've said to three people tonight that they're your favourite girls. You're such a player, baby. You're such a player. You're actually a real jerk when you're drunk. You're joking me. If I upset you in any way, I apologise. I apologise. Can you have? I was a massive loser last night. So you're you're in there at this stage. What was um what was the prize for when you were on it? So that was the year, Howie. That, that it was a big secret, and that's why we got locked away because the secret was one million dollars to the winner. A million bucks. A million bucks. Did you know that walking in? Which I think is the highest prize a money in an Australian show ever because be. because you get the block. The block gives away yeah. over a million for all the couples that actually win that much, but for an individual prize, did you did you know that? Had no idea. So, so when we were told, right, we were told about a month into the show, when we were told that in my mind, and there's a moment you can see of like, I wonder, I wonder how I'm going. Because you don't know how you're being perceived on the outside. No idea. I thought, I knew I was making everyone laugh and I thought, oh, you know, I haven't done really anything wrong. I made, I had a couple of drinks one night and made a couple of the girls cry and I thought, well, that's, that could be, that yeah, that could, I'm in a bit of trouble there. But then there was a moment of, I wonder where I am. But I always said to myself, Howie, because I was an ex-AFL footballer, Australia won't vote for me because I've been there and I've had that life. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. So I said, uh, they're, they're going to so go. They the underdog. They're going to go for the underdog, the everyday punter. And Tre- I targeted Trevor, who was on the show. I was good mates with Trevor on the show. And I knew... You know what? He comes from a humble background. Yeah. He doesn't have much in his life. He moves furniture. He wants to propose to his missus. I said, he's the prime. He's going to be hard to beat, big Trev. Yeah. So there was actually a moment where I, in the pool, because there's not, you can't wear your microphone in the water. And there was a moment in the pool where I said to and him. How many's left at this stage? There was a four of us left. Right. Four of us left. And I thought, if I get down to the final two with him and I'm whispered. Oh, you're cutting side deals. Yeah. I said, mate. 
if one of us win it, we're in the final two. The other one gives the other one a hundred grand. Are you up for it? A little insurance and there was, policy. There was, a, there, was a, there was a pause, and he goes, "No." Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so he thinks he's got you covered. At he this knew he'd run it. He knows he got you in the bag. So, so how do they? Um, I can't remember. How do they tell you that you're done? Yeah. So, Is it audience vote? Yeah. So it's a um. I was the. So it's a million bucks it, on the. It's huge, and they have the they have a crowd there. It's it's an amazing. It, back then, it was just. I mean, people would go to Dreamworld just to get tours of the Big Brother house, and it was just. It was crazy. So yeah, you just. It was voting. You sit on a couch. Gretel goes, and it's time to leave. So now back to tonight's eviction. <laughs> And did your gut sink or did you know it was coming? Do you know what? It didn't affect me. You know what? I had a good run in there. How long are you in there? Uh, I was in there three months, Howie. Three Three months. months. You, you don't get any news, no music, no footy scores. And there's a moment where I come out and mum and dad were there because I want a car. You win a Mitsubishi Lancer. Right. And mum and, and I'm in the car and I come out and I said to dad, how's, how are the Panthers going? That's the first thing you can see me mouth to dad, how are the Panthers going? And then I said, how are the Crows going? So, so you, you walk out. Yes. Right. And you've walked in as a, as a uh, retired AFL player. You're playing in Sydney. You, you would have been recognisable in Adelaide. But I, I remember how big that show was. Did, did you did you walk out and go to the milk bar the next day and think, holy hell? Yeah, that did was, that did was you? Uh, yeah, you're up in the Gold Coast, you do a lot of promo and stuff up there. And they actually sit you the first thing you do when you get out of the house, you go to a psychologist and they they have they have a scrapbook of all the headlines about you while you've been in the house. So, so they, this woman was yeah. saying to me, right, oh. there's been a bit of controversy with you because you <laughs> she said your mates have been, they, they got the copyright for your T-shirt and they've been selling them on the side and making a lot of money. Good boys. Good boys. <laughs> so What's said, your, what was your T-shirt? So it was it was MLS, which standed for Massive Loser Squad, and we did go in there with this strategy of copywriting it. A merch and, strategy. And, and if it goes off, we could sell these T-shirts. <laughs> Channel 10 tried to buy them off us, right. buy, buy the rights, and we said no. We stuck that. At one stage, the boys had like 70 grand in a bank account. <laughs> and then we all pissed it all up the wall, Howie, <laughs> and then we had to pay tax on it. <laughs> what idiot. Living up to the name. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, that's when... When I went out into the public for the first time, I went, oh my, I just cannot believe how So what was it? What, what was it? Were people coming? Like, what was, the, what was happening? Just, it, I didn't understand how many people watched the show. Like, and everybody knew. Everybody knew. Like, <laughs> and then, you you know, we after that, Howie, I went on a basically a six-month tour around, you have management, and they set up... Um, you know, you just go from pub to pub. You spend half an hour there. You get up on stage, you do a Q&A, and then you go to the next one and you get paid. I was getting paid like two, two and a half grand a pop. Wow. Like for six months, I actually became, and I, I for, over those six months, I was drinking every night. So you just had to have a beer with old mate at the Bowenheads pub and tell him to cut the stories and then off you go. Could never hit 100 kilos in my playing career. In that six months, I hit 100 kilos. <laughs> right, blew I right just up. let myself go. And it was, look, don't get me wrong, it was amazing, but by the end of it, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but you were, I just went all around Australia, going to pubs and clubs and... And that was the thing. But see, I remember the first Big Brother, but you know, Blair and 
and Benny, who's now a, a player manager, oh, yeah, he, he won, won the first yeah, Big Brother. Yeah. They were getting five grand a pop. Wow. So the money that you made when you got out of there, so I was back. I had I could pay my mortgage again and I was back on track. And then that was the moment when I was doing a bit of boundary riding for Triple M, Howie. Right. In, in Adelaide. In Adelaide. Just before Big Brother. Right. So I'd only done about three or four games. I got into trouble oh, one day. because need to get some audio. Because Duck yeah. took a right. hanger and I said he got up higher than Robert Downey Jr. Oh, no, Fitzy. And I remember, Come on. I remember Max Stevens pulling me aside and said, mate, you can't do this. So we'll give you a bit of a rest. Oh, he got a spell. But then when I come out of Big Brother, Max Stevens goes, mate. You're Triple M. And I said, I haven't signed a contract with you. I haven't signed a <laughs> contract. On, and he goes, yeah, but you're working for us. <laughs> and then Nova uh, gave me an offer and I went to Nova. Hold that thought. Um, so I did five, six years on the Boundary Triple M. Yep. I started to do one game a week. And after my first game, it came out that Doc Larkins, the guru, yeah, guru. of boundary writing. Yep had left to sign a big juicy contract with 3RW. Yep. And Lee Simon said to me, mate, it'll just be for a couple of weeks. Can you do a couple of extra games a weekend? I said, okay. So he said, well, I need you to do Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday afternoon. Oh, well, all boundary riding. All on the <gasps> boundary. So, mate, I've done more games on the boundary than anyone in the history of boundary. And I, I, when, you, when you're going with your gag, yes. I just remember Gary Lyon about week three I might have, I might have spoken for longer than my allotted ten second slot. Yeah, and I went used to go up at half time to try and dry out and sit in the warmth of the box. He's like, "Mate, you got to realise you're doing a good job down there, but we're the stars of the show. Yep. You're not. Yep. Get in and get out. Yep, and." That's it is, what I did for and, six years. and that's what it is. And it's a tough job because it's it's, fre- a, it's the hardest job. It's freezing cold. The the teams that you're. You know, that you're trying to look at the bench. You don't even barrack for any of these teams. You're not interested in the game. And it's Sunday afternoon and pouring down oh. the MCGs, the Gold Coast Suns versus the Bulldogs. You've got these huge headphones on and the opposition supporters are just giving, <laughs> giving it, to it to you the you. whole time. Because they're listening. Yeah, and it's, you know, they think that you know all the details of injuries <laughs> down on the bench. You can't see anything out. No, no, and what I learnt, this is, a, this is an exciting boundary riding from two former boundary riders. So we are from the, as I used to call it, the Bra Boys, the Boundary Riders Association. <laughs> <laughs> um, what you can't do is commit. Yes. So if old mate comes off and he's limping, you say, oh, he's done something to his foot and it's proven that he's hurt his shoulder, you look like an absolute idiot. So, yeah, it looks like a, a leg issue. You just can't commit to anything. You yeah. can't commit. Or I'll get down there, boys, and I'll find out a little bit more for yeah. you. You don't have anything. And then you try Then you try and, like, ask a doctor over the yeah. fence, and they, they, they don't want to bar They you. don't want to talk to you at all. They don't want to bar you. Nah. Um, before we get into um, radio, I've got two kids, Fitzy, yes. um, that operate and like to uh, – be involved in the podcast. They've been with us from the start. So they started when they were three and five. They're now 13 and 11. I don't know how it happens. You're the same. Yep. And the one that's most engaged with the guest asks a question. Mm. Now, I would never say this to some of the high-fluting sports stars, yep. but at uh, dinner last night, I said, right, I need a question for a guest. I said, um, I pumped you up as a one-name opera. I yeah. said, I got Fitzy on. I just got blank <laughs> <laughs> I got blank looks. I've still got it. I got blank looks. But they're not in the Sydney radio market. No, no, okay? of course. They live in coastal Victoria. Yep, yep. No. So, I'll tell myself that. So you get a question from a 13-year-old daughter. Yep. Whose name is Sky, but her nickname is The Pickle. Yep. Um, so 
She's nothing but honest, yep. but she has a question for you. Hi, Fitzy. Pickle here. Dad tells me you used to play footy in the early 2000s, which was before my time. Hmm. Also, Dad tells me you used to be on a TV show called Big Brother, also before my time. Never heard of it. Hmm. But I'm sure you were amazing in both. <laughs> my favourite reality TV show at the moment is Survivor. But what I want to know is, if you could go on a real reality TV show that's on at the moment, what would that be? What oh. about the token, but I'm sure you were good at it? Yeah, I'm sure you were good at it. I can't remember any of those. I've never heard of you, but I'm sure you were good at it, old mate. Oh, what Just about the honesty? The honesty of kids, I love it. Uh, so, yeah, now, like, there's so many choices. Survivor is, I think, the greatest show of all time. Yeah. And you know what? My kids love it. It's the same rules. It's the same games. But you know what? Every Survivor is different because of the gameplay. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it for 30-odd days. At 30-odd days, though, that without food, I, I would love to do a, a season of Survivor. And I see Sean Hampson just did yeah, it as well. But, yeah, my kids and wife loved him. But I don't think how – I don't know how long I could last, but that would be an amazing challenge. So you challenge. reckon the food would get you? Oh, without a doubt. Because I don't think I'd, you'd gone – I don't think I've fasted like that before. I mean, they get nothing. Have you seen um, – which my young bloke's obsessed with, we just started watching uh, on SBS, the Australian version – Alone? Al- alone, yeah. yeah. I, I, that. Bef- before I watched it, I used to say, that's my show. I think I could do that. Then I watched it. Oh, those people are freaks. Three hours in, I'm done. It's crazy. More of Fitzy shortly. If you are into your ex-footballer multimedia megastars, go back and check out episode 11 of the Artist Series released in September 22 featuring the great one, Tony Armstrong. So in that situation now where you're on ABC TV every morning, every morning, yep. when something comes up when there's racism in AFL mm. and everybody turns to you. Yeah. Like that's that. <laughs> it's I, across the bear. Yes. Because it's a lot of pressure. It is. I, I presume if, you, if something happens at 7.30 on a Sunday night, um, yeah, I'm, you, you know... Your phone's ringing the next morning. Oh well, it's, I always, I always joke to the offsiders, um, uh, to the offsiders producers that it seems like every time I finally say yes to go on that show, it's like something happens on the Saturday night. Yes, and I've got a bloody, I've got to front up and do a, and and like I'm saying this tongue in cheek, but it's like, you know, you've got to then have a really nuanced yet powerful and strong answer, but it's also, and this is, and, and this is the cool thing about. The jobs we do, it's also got to be quite soundbitey, yes. and it's, and it's got to be, and it's got to be made in maximum two minutes. You know, yeah. how do you summarise two hundred and fifty years in? Yeah, and then, but then also speak on behalf of everyone, which you can't. <sighs> no, but um, people expect you to exactly because of the colour of your skin. Hundred percent. So like, it's like there's all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and um, freaking nightmare. Oh, it is. It is. Um, but I mean, I said it's my cross the bed. It's it's also my my privilege to be in a position to be able to to have the platform exactly and and so like hmm. I won't I won't shy away from doing it just can't wait for there to be a couple more soldiers yeah um who we can turn to as well that's Tony Armstrong on episode 11 of the artist series let's get back to fits so radio so the Nova gives you a call yes what, like what what are you doing 
Yeah, so I uh, got a couple of offers down in Adelaide, but Nova were the ones that were like, we'll give you a two-year contract. We want you as the sports reporter. We've got a brand new show starting in Adelaide. That's when Nova had just started. And it was um, Tony Moakley, oh, Jules Schiller. Right. Uh, the, the former Crud Boys. Yeah, long-term radio gurus. Them. Yep, and a, and a female um, comedy, uh, Jody J. Hill was her name, and right. Jody was very funny as well. So they were the breakfast show, and I was the sports reporter. On the breakfast show. On the breakfast and show. And were you playing it straight or were you going with your Robert Downey Jr. jokes early? No, I, I thought to myself, what I'm going to do here is uh, I'll just do the sports and I'll try to stay out of it a little bit. And then they got me involved in the show. Three months later, you're not the sports reporter anymore. You're you're on the show. So Within three I was months. the fourth member. Now, that four members, you know, on a, on a, yeah. there's a fair bit of talk over. There's a fair bit going on. Yeah. But what I learned off, well, J- Jules and Tony took me under their wing and they showed me how to write, they showed me how to edit, put sketches together, and they basically taught me about comedy. And I'm forever grateful for huh. that because they were so good at it. And I, there was something inside of me, Howie, that just exploded. And I said, I love this so much. What did you love about it? I just loved writing the satisfaction that I was getting out of writing a comedy sketch or writing a parody song, and I would take, you know, I, I'd met my wife about a year or two later, but we didn't have kids back then. Name? On weekends, Belinda. Yes, the the uh, rock in my life. She's an absolutely amazing woman, but she's she was there from day one. But on weekends, Howie, I would spend the whole weekend writing a sketch or writing a parody song. So you were into it? Really into it. And the satisfaction for me to then go in and record it, edit it up, and then the final product and presenting it on air, hmm. that was an addiction to me that I needed all the time. Well, you're, you're the same bloke that was in the Sydney Swans that caused the red light. You're yep. entertaining people. So how, how long... How long did you have to battle through the, oh, he's just that reality TV bloke? So it was six and a half years I had in Adelaide, right? And we would we went to number one in Adelaide for that breakfast show. And I thought, oh, there's not much more I can do in Adelaide. Yep. And you don't realise how small a market Adelaide is mm. until you get out of Adelaide. But then Adel- Nova said to me, I was getting a bit of um, attention from other networks. And Nova said to me, well, we want to put you into the drive national drive show. Would you consider moving to Sydney? Right. And BJ and I, I said, we, we go to Sydney regularly. I said, we said, I said, let's do it. Let's pack up. We're young. Let's have a crack. Went over there and started Drive with Whipper. And were you still the reality TV bloke or would people put that behind? Always. And will always will be, Howie. I don't think I'll ever shake that tag. Really? That, that, that is always there. Like I, I understand people, I still to this day, we're coming up to 20 years next year and people still say, I, rem- I remember you from Big Brother. Right. But you know what? I don't I don't mind that. I think well, it gave you a start, mate. Exactly right. I'm forever grateful for that show and it gave me a start. But yeah, like radio was just, it was something that I just adored and I wanted to do all the time and really wanted to prove myself in that in that industry. Okay, let's now talk about the craft of radio. Mm-hmm. As I said at the start, any man that's achieved the longevity and success you have in the biggest market in the most competitive time slot deserves a massive pat on the back. Why have you and Whipper been able to dominate the Sydney radio breakfast morning market? We we come into the system. There was a bit of luck there as well, Howie. We took over that drive show at Nova and Hamish and Andy were winding up. And they were so dominant at that time. Yeah. So when they left, there was a real opportunity and a, the market opened up. And Whipper and I said to each other, 
it's all about noise, Howie. To prove yourself, people knew sort of who I was and who Whipper was, but we needed to make noise. And you know what? It's the same now with social media. Mm. You've got to use it to your advantage. You've got to, you've got to find stuff that goes viral. We said to ourselves, we've got to do one thing a day. We had a three-hour show, but one thing a day that everyone goes to work or school the next day and goes, did you hear what Fitzy and Whipper did last night? Gotcha. Had to be one. Whether whether it was a sketch, whether it was an interview that was a bit controversial, whether it was a parody song or anything like that, and we worked our asses off. We really worked really hard and we made a lot of noise. And I remember it was eight months in. We were eight months in and we were, we, we were close to getting to number one and Nova said, you boys are doing really well here. Got some great news for you. You're going into Sydney breakfast. And I said, I've done my first reaction, and it was the best reaction actually in the end, because I'd done breakfast for six and a half years. Now I'm doing drive, the dream job. I don't have to get up early. And I all day I'm writing this stuff and the show's going really well, and I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I, you've just had me for six and a half years in Adelaide. I'm not going back to getting up at four in the morning. And I stormed out of the meeting. Right, a storm out. Yeah, and they said, well, how, how about for this much? And I went, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And then a week later they gave me a call and they said, how about for this? And I went, yeah, all right. <laughs> Cash is king, I said, all right, let's get back into breakfast again. So people in their car listening to you, and I don't know how you guys roll, but listening, it sounds like it's a really well prepared show. You ain't no orphan. You want the kings of the one hit banger. Let's start with your mate, MC Hammer. Oh! <laughs> uh, music makes me so hard. Can't write another. What? Help me, Lord. Thank you for writing this song that I stopped. How bizarre. Oh! 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 How bizarre. Here we go, guys. A lot of people think, oh, Fitzy and Whipper probably get in at 6 o'clock, 5 to 6, read the paper and away they go. That doesn't, listening to your show, it doesn't sound like a show that that's happening. No, there's a lot of preparation. So yep. we like to have about 70, 80% of the show already done. What time do you leave work in the Arvo? Uh, now it's it's been pulled back. I mean, we used to stay until about 1, 2 o'clock right. in the afternoon, right. but now it's about 11. Right. We've been doing it for a long time. Okay. So it's a, it's a pretty... It's so we, you're we could do it blindfolded. You're preparing. Preparation is what makes the show Preparation so good. Preparation is key. And for me personally, over the years, I used to stress out quite a bit with content. Like it, it can be really hard sometimes. Um, but now I don't sweat the small stuff. And it's but I there still needs to be an element of I, I need to know that I've got enough content for me to go into work the next day and feel comfortable. Gotcha. So the night before, I'll usually find five to six different pieces of content from around the world or personal in my life yep. and try to find something that can turn into a phoner or something that's interesting and relatable so then I feel comfortable the next morning. And the whole breakfast radio letting people into your life, has your beautiful wife or anyone from your family or your friends ever said, hey, mate, I heard that probably I'll prefer you didn't share things like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, there has been a couple of times. Now, we've, it's got to be tricky. I was taught when I first went into radio from the old school, guys like Dean Buchanan and that at Nova that said, you need to open up about your life. And now as footballers, we don't really do that as no. much. I had this conversation with Brownie, Jonathan Brown, when he went to Nova. And I said, Brownie, do you know what your, do you know what your allure is, mate? Is that you're this tough footballer mm. and everyone sees that exterior. When you talk about your wife and your kids, mm. you don't understand how powerful that is. And you know what? Take the piss out of yourself because that's what people want to hear. 
but how how much can you open your door when then someone says it's too much? Well, Howie, this is the and you you do this so well as with your podcast as well. Usually, like when we have a junket for a huge star, you get Will Ferrell and, and Mark Wahlberg, new movie coming out. You got five minutes. Yes, yes. Do you know what I do? It's hard, I isn't find it? out who Will Ferrell barracks for in the NBA, and I know he's a basketball fan. I've seen videos, so I find out he's a Lakers fan. Find out who they played that week before, and I find out who was who was playing well. So then you go to him and you go, how was LeBron's performance with 28 on the weekend? In the interview or while you this sit down getting... This is before you start the, the, the interview. So this is what I was describing to someone the other day. It's like a speed date. Yep. Lewis Hamilton walks into the room. You've got 30 seconds while he's getting the mic on to try and establish a rapport. Yep. And you with Will, someone like Will Ferrell, like you instantly, he just, his eyes light up and go, oh my God, how good was that? How, what about when they did this? Yeah, so, but, so people got to understand, Will's might be doing 25 yep. interviews in a row. Same and same, you know, cowbell. What about that cowboy, cowbell sketch you did? Right. It's the same questions over and over. Yeah. But you've instantly got this connection with them mm. before you've started the interview. And then they'll open up and do whatever you want for them. So of all the people that have wandered into your studio or that you've done that, like tell me some of the people that you've walked away and thought, wow, there's something to them. They've impressed me. Without a doubt. The most impressive man on the planet, and he's Australian, Hugh Jackman. Every we've interviewed Hugh Jackman, I reckon, five or six times, and every time we come up with an idea that's a bit outside the square, right? Now, celebrities get to a point where when they're first starting in their career, they're, they're prepared to do this stuff. Yes. Because it's a you know, it's a bit wacky and it's a bit funny. And you know, this is the unfortunate thing with us. People don't want to hear boring interviews all the time. So you're trying to come up with ideas. Hugh Jackman has always with every idea that we've had, where I've written sketches for him, and you only get five minutes with you, and you'll hand it to him, and you sit, sit there going, oh, will he do it? Hugh will look at it, and he is such, he'll sing for you, he'll wow. act for you. He's such a professional. And a star. And a star. And you and he walks out of that room, and you know what, Howie, I come from a simple background. You're probably the same as well. The one thing I remember mum and dad telling me, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but if you can make somebody's day and just leave an impression with that person, you've got them for life. They will remember your face for life, mm. right? And it's something as simple as saying have a nice day yep. or helping them with some bags. But when Hugh Jackman leaves that studio, Whipper and I look at each other and go, oh, my God, that that's who I want to be. Like oh. he's just – he looks you in the eye. He calls you by your name. He doesn't complain about anything. He's just happy to be there. And it's only five minutes, but you walk away and you go, he's made such an impression on us. He's just a superstar. That's a great answer. I need to get him on this show. Yeah, really he do. is Howie. Go through Gus Wallen. Well, Gus, Gus is his best mate. It's so funny you say that. So I've worked with Gus for, for many years on Triple M Cricket now. He's he's just, he's the world's loveliest man. Very touchy-feely. Loves a hug. I love Gus. And yep. what, what he's doing uh, oh, yeah, in the mental, mental health, health space is, is incredible what Gussie does. Um, but I said to him a year and a half ago, mate, Hugh, I'd love to get him on the Artist Series like this um, because I think I can line up Fitzy and if I get Fitzy and Hugh, I've got the two big guys in Australian <laughs> entertainment. Right? And, and he said, mate, yeah, no worries. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. And and he didn't hear back. He said, oh, yeah, mate, we're working on it, working on it. This went on for four months, working on it, working on it. Next thing I know, the world's nicest man, Gus Wallen, brings out his own podcast. First guest, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. 
Come on, Gussie. And he's not giving it to you. No, no. <laughs> and I pulled him up at the cricket and he said, you know what? After the cricket season finishes, I'm going back to New York and I'm getting him on a second time. He's had him on twice. Come on, oh, Gussie. It is. You, this is the other thing as well. You become friends with some of these yes. people that you meet. Yep. We've always been so proud that a lot of our guests come in and they go, you know what, whenever we go into radio stations, it's really tense. We don't know what's coming out, what's coming up, what they're going to ask us. And when we walk away, we're always like, oh, that felt a bit awkward. But you guys have always made us feel welcome. And so to some of these so for them to feel comfortable coming on our show, Russell Crowe does like he'll Russell Crowe will ring our show out of nowhere sometimes. Does he? And it, you go, who's this speaking? That the, like the producers won't tell us, and straight away you'll hear this. It's it's Maximus, <laughs> and it's Russell Crowe. And like so, there's moments like that where you go, where you feel so proud that you're actually getting through to people. So it is Russell Crowe. Okay, we're going to get Rusty back up now, but he is on the farm. He's having Coffs Harbour, so yeah, he yeah. may be out of range. Russell, are you there? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you perfectly, right? Yeah. And I'm doing this joke about Bob Hawke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, you know, and who is it? Like, go. It's Bob <laughs> And you guys go, now say, you know, one, two, three, and you're counting it in to go again. I'm doing the joke over and over again, and I realise it. Oh, amazing. Ah, see, mate, we are so I'm really interested in, in how you handle radio in 2023. So I want to give you two examples and ask how you go about it. A, a, a very, you said you meet people and you become as friends with them. Um, one of the nicest people I've met in cricket is Michael Vaughan. Yep former England captain, and I used to abuse him in 2005 when he was beating his in the ashes yep. and then getting to work with him in commentary. He is a wonderful, generous, warm-hearted, friendly, fantastic man who's helped me out enormously in cricket. It seems quite controversial. I don't know him, but the way that I look at him, like he's the he's the one that comes out with a controversial remark. Well, that was why him and Warney were so good because one would take one opinion and yep. the other would take the other. Yep. And when you're sitting there beside them, you know that it's amazing sports commentary. Yep. But he has been embroiled for the last year and a half in a racism controversy involving his county cricket club, Yorkshire. Mm. Um, and he's just been found not guilty of yep. that. But he, more than anyone I know, has been cancelled. The cancel culture lost all his work. Um, his, his wonderful wife was having all sorts of problems. His kids were being abused. And Michael was vindicated in the end for going to court because mm. he was proven not guilty mm. of the allegations. And I saw what it did to him and what it did to his family. And I do a radio show on Triple M on a Friday night, mm. which is five blokes, Damien Barrett, Jason Dunstall, Nathan Brown, Luke Darcy and myself. And it's it's just five mates sitting around as you were at the pub just ripping the shit out of each mm. other. Yep. And we don't talk about footy for an hour and 50 minutes. We find out who's got a little bit ahead of themselves during the week and just pile in. Yep. And the more I do that show. Mm. The harder it gets. The harder it gets because the parameters become narrower and narrower. And you just dread the day that you say something that is perceived by mm. one social columnist mm. as not appropriate. Mm. And the cancel culture is frightening it is, in Australia. Yes. So is this part of your discussion in a radio show in 2023 because we are so keen 
to just cut people down mm. and bash them and cancel them and push them to the side. Yeah, it is. I, I've, I've sorry learned, about the long explanation. No, don't be silly, Howie. It, it is. It's um, I, I'm surprised that I've lasted this long. Well, if I went back and listened to some of my breaks in in the early noughties and stuff, like it just would blow my mind. I've taught so much. I've been taught so much over the last 20-odd years through radio and what to say and what not to say. Yeah. I've learnt so much of what the parameters and what I, what I can do and what I can't do. But you're right. You know, when you're in a room with a, a group of friends and you're having such a good time and everyone's laughing and it might be a joke that you just might be so innocent, you just don't know how people are going to perceive it. And this is the thing. All it takes is one complaint from a listener, and um, unfortunately, there's an investigation, and mm. you can get ca- you can get cancelled very quickly. Oh, look, I agree with you, Howie. That there are look, I, I, I'm a lefty. There are certain areas where I've learnt so much, and 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 things, social issues that I've um, educated myself on so well. But yeah, you've got to be really, really careful these days. So, is it, does it become a different? show like society progresses and I get that and we don't want to be talking about things that we were viewing 20 years ago that we yeah. speak about on the radio but does it become harder to make comedy we it, it does we we've um so what we've done with our show in Sydney you know, Cole and Jackie O are number one and they we know what their show's all about you know it's um and, and we decided that we're going to be the two dads and we're going to target mums in the car and we're going to be a, a little bit cleaner so we changed our show gotcha to be something different we needed to be a point of difference and that's from the opposition from the opposition hmm, and because we thought we're not going to go down that road because that you know what they excel in that area yep. so we're going to go in another area i don't area. think that's you as a dude either no and and you know what the the, the the station loves it because it's you know it's easier to sell as well yeah. we're two dads that who aren't causing too much controversy on air. But, you know, I I thought to make noise back in the day, you had to be controversial. Mm. You know what I mean? You had to swear and you had to be a bit rude and crude. Maybe you you still do to make the initial impact to get the audience. I don't know. But see, Howie, you know, what I love about you as well is that, you know, what I've learned is that men now get to show their feelings a lot better. We never did that. We never did that. Like we never opened up and it was a sign of weakness from your old man if you're going to talk, uh, talking about your missus like that and all this kind of stuff. But I do love now how well we can talk about our wives and our kids yep. and not have that fear of someone bringing you down. I, that, that's that, So there are elements to it that are bad from the cancel side of it, but I also do, do love that, you know, especially men are opening up a bit more with stuff like this. But there are moments where we'll have a, a caller ring in and you go, oh, that's a bit full on. Yeah. What you just said then was a bit full on and you pull yourself back. Yep. Whereas back in the day, you'd laugh and just move and away on. You go. Yep. Hey, a couple more questions for you. One to go way back. Um, cause I did want to ask you about this. Give me a plugger story. So you were at Sydney when like a couple of weeks, when this goes to air a few weeks ago, St Kilda had their one fiftieth, and to see Tony Lockett out mm. on the ground was the highlight for me of the AFL season yeah, so far. Amazing. And, and, um, someone that works at the Saints was telling me that he went down into the rooms and the kids that are playing for St Kilda now that haven't grown up seeing him play, he was telling me a story that there was one bloke on the massage table and he went up and said, oh, mate, uh, I won't mention their names. Plugger wants to say day," And he said this kid nearly fell off the massage table. It was like, oh, 
It's Tony Loftus. For anyone out there as well, he's not crook. People think Plug is crook. He's fit as a fiddle. Apparently, so is he riding a million Ks on his bike? He's riding a million Ks on his bike. he's gaunt. He is gaunt. I know, but he's lost that weight. We actually, we had a conversation last night. He wouldn't have been as effective as at full forward if he was actually that fit back in his no, playing days. No. He needed that weight behind him. He did. Um, but he used to call me brains because there was lack of. <laughs> so Brains and plasticine. <laughs> Brains and plasticine, but he's, how's this, I saw him about five or six years ago at a Swans game and someone come up from behind and it smacked me in the kidney and I was like, oh, who's that? And it was Plugger going, g'day, Brains, and I was more excited that he remembered who I was (laughs) than being called Brains. But the big one, this is without a word of a lie, Howie, day one at the Swans, I'm getting a tour of, of the change rooms and they're showing me around. And I said, this is unbelievable. And down the hallway, I could hear us, everyone clapping. I could hear all this clapping. And I've walked down the hallway and I've peered in and it's all the legends of the club, the seniors, and they're all standing up. There's a standing ovation. There was Darren Creswell, Dale Lewis, Craig O'Brien, Paul Kelly was there. And I'm going, oh, my God, this is, this is all the legends. I've turned around the corner and there's Plugger out the front with a cricket bat. He's holding up a bat. As if he's made a ton. And I've realised the nutritionist is next to him. He's just had his skin folds and he got a hundred in his skin folds. <laughs> and everyone's giving him a standing ovation. Imagine if that was anyone else. Imagine if anyone else you'd be out there running straight away. But everyone was cheering for him because he got a hundred. So anyone that's listened to this, and I've loved this hour and a half with you, mate. It's, it's filled me with happiness, which is what you bring to people. If people don't listen to Fitzy and Whippy, you now need to. You don't listen need to listen on the wireless these days, you can get it on the podcast, which is a great thing. You can see how warm and entertaining and engaging this man is. So listen to his show because he is a star, as you've heard. I always finish this way. We are privileged, Fitzy, to have a lot of kids listen to this show with their parents on the way to piano practice or footy training or science class or whatever it is. You've achieved tremendous success in a field that in some ways found you, what advice would you give to all the youngsters out there that are at school or listening or at uni or even people searching for a new job or career path in the adult stage, what advice would you give them? Just be creative and don't don't get yourself down if you don't think it's funny or if, if you've got an idea for something, work on it. Work on it over and over and... Um you know what? You'll get so much satisfaction out of it. Like I said, Howie, if you want to get into this industry, for me, it's all about making noise. Everyone thinks social media can be such a a negative thing these days. But I think that if you can make noise and get noticed, that's the way that you actually get yourself out there and you can be noticed and get into the industry. So write, be creative and keep going. Hone your craft and you've got every chance of getting into the industry. I love it, mate. I love the episode. Trev, did, what do you do with the mill? He did really well. And he's still working in radio too. He's up is at he? hot, hot Tomato up on the Gold They're Coast. Hot Tomato on the Coast? Yeah, he's doing oh, Trev, really is well. He? he bought a house. He got he? married. He's got two beautiful kids. He's but, done really well. But he didn't well. give you a hundred. <laughs> he didn't give me any. Come on, Trev. <laughs> mate, you're a star. Thanks for coming on the show. I've but, loved it. Thanks, Howie. Thank you, brother. I hope you laughed. As much 
in that episode as I did when we recorded it and it put you in a really positive frame of mind. It gave me a massive lift the day we recorded that. I rolled out there and said to Tommy, how good is Fitzy? He's like, yeah, Fitzy's good. Thanks to Fitzy for coming on. A man who knows where he's from and what he's about and hasn't deviated from that. Love it. Until next Tuesday with Joanna Griggs, peace and love.